My name is Brent Adams, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, bogey. Kylie Omiller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, wrap oh, scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Duke Cannon Supply Co. I'm Hutton Jackson here with my co-host, Adam Moore, and lacrosse playground contributor and resident Atlas fan, Brian Andrews. As you can see, I've been uh, using my Duke Cannon beard oil a little bit, uh, you know, a little messy. Just took a shower using the big-ass bar of soap to, uh, you know, if podcasts could smell, I think I'd smell pretty good. Maybe not great. Definitely above average, but um, definitely check out Duke Cannon, guys. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. Guys, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and already so much has happened this week. I mean, the PLL announced that every PLL game will be available on Peacock, uh, which is going to be $4.99 a month. Um, you know, you still get 20 games on NBC and NBC sports network. So if you're not paying for Peacock, you still get those 20 games, which is great. It's really not that big of a difference between gold. Gold was 20 bucks for three months. It's 15 bucks now for Peacock and you're getting a lot more. You're getting the office, a bunch of stuff. So, um, not sure why people are too up in arms. I get on the international front. People are a little bit disappointed because Peacock's not available to them, but, um, Paul Ray will just tweeted out that they have stuff working on the international front last year. They were able to, you know, stream to 13 different countries i think everything's going to be fine canadian fans you're going to be all right don't worry um but we also had some big trades that happened poor brian is just watching his team get dismantled week after week um you know paul rabel being traded to the cannons and ryan brown the next day being traded to the water dogs brian how is your morale right now uh it's pretty low i'd say (laughs) that i've seen a lot of comparisons to being an atlas fan to like rooting for the cowboys or that the team is resembling resembling of the Cowboys and uh right now it's feeling like Chip Kelly era Eagles so I'm not (laughs) really having a good time I obviously like I I have I I like Ben Rubior I love watching him play at UVA um and I'm excited to see him coach it's just a lot of these moves were are very unexpected I don't think anybody saw them really coming especially the Ryan Brown trade I thought after the Rabel news was done, I thought we were going to go radio silent for a while. So that really caught me off guard. And especially giving away the six pick in the entry. So like, there's a lot of moves that like I was really liking even through the Rabel trade. And now we're kind of like doing more than I thought the Atlas needed to, Mm -hmm. to get going. So now I'm getting a little worried, but it's mostly tinfoil hat stuff at this point. Yeah. I sympathize with that, especially with the Ryan Brown trade, you know, it's, it's tough to trade a player of his caliber. There's not many players out there that match his skill set. You know, maybe you guys get a Mac O'Keefe in the college draft and, you know, it's a seamless fit, um, but there's no guarantee there. And I really don't think there's anyone coming in from the MLL that is at his caliber either. You know, there's definitely some guys you could go with that are different skill set. If you want to mix it up, I, you know, they could still be in the market for Randy Stotts or Dan Bacaro. Um, So that, that's definitely a possibility, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty surprising. Um, honestly, I thought that trade though was pretty fair given up, you know, the 11th pick in the college draft, despite on the Rabel side, it being a little bit, maybe more lopsided than people would expect. Um, 
But let's start off with the, the Rabel trade because you mentioned that something I thought that was pretty important that people are kind of overlooking is not only does Coach Cork get Paul Rabel, who we think is going to have a bounce-back season, at least I personally do, um, again, giving up draft capital like he did, you know, is maybe a little too much for a player of Paul Rabel's uh, age, but they get that number six pick in the entry draft. So they're swapping that. So they, they move up three spots. I think that's pretty, pretty big, bigger than people I think are giving Cork credit. And uh, we are hearing that coach Cork really wanted Paul Rabel too. Um, you know, again, this is all us hearing stuff. I know other people hear different things, but I, I don't think this again was a move. It's obvious that Paul had a say in where he wanted to end up. He wanted to end up on the cannons. Like no one's disputing that, but let's not just, you know, knock Ben Ruby or coach Cork. Let's give them a little bit more credit for the move. They set the terms for this trade. Um, so in that front, I, I think, you know, the Atlas probably did a little bit better because they got a future first rounder as well as a first rounder in this college draft. And they have another pick still in this entry draft. They didn't lose a pick. They just moved down a little bit, but, uh, give me your thoughts. We'll start with you, Adam, on this Paul Rabel trade. Yeah, no, it, it is an exciting, uh, trade. That's for sure. And when I, we talked kind of off pod before looking at kind of the breakdown of the trade, uh, I talked to you about kind of looking at it. Uh, almost as two separate trades. You know, in the NBA, in the NFL, when you trade up in a draft, you're definitely going to give some type of capital. So giving up uh, that and the ninth pick in the college draft to move up uh, to number six in and of itself makes complete sense to me. If there's a guy at six that you're looking for, if you kind of can read the tea leaves and and know that maybe that guy might not fall to you uh, at eight, makes complete sense to make that jump. Um, And then if you look at it too, you know, a conditional first round pick in the future for a Paul Rabel, if Coach Quirk wants to win, a championship in back-to-back years, one in each league, which would be pretty, pretty cool to see. Um, trading for a guy like Paul Rabel, who he expects to have a bounce back year, makes all the sense. If he's looking at kind of where, uh, we'll talk obviously in a second about this expansion draft, where um, the fits are, and he thought Paul was a good fit, um, maybe trading that first round pick makes sense um, kind of going forward. So uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it, it's as lopsided as a lot of people are saying. I do think uh, certainly is towards the Atlas favor, just in terms of uh, the picks, um, Rabel's aged in terms of how long he's playing. Coach Rubor is obviously uh, playing the long game, as he said. So um, I think it was a good, uh, good trade, and um, it worked out for both teams as of right now. You know, and I, I think just, again, I, I don't want to harp on Paul Rabel because I feel like we talk about him all the time and people always talk about him, but you know, yeah, he had a bad season last year. He really did, but like, he's still one of the best players out there. Um, you know, again, not compared comparatively, maybe right now, but it, it, it's, you know, like an aging LeBron, like, I, I, you know, I, I know LeBron is still performing at a high level and Paul Rabel again, had a bad year last year, but it's like, you got to give him some credit for the rest of his career, you know, and I can take the, take last year, last summer in those four or five games he played in. And, you know, look at that in a different lens than a full season. I, I just, I have a hard time believing Paul Rabel's not going to perform this summer. And sure, maybe and, I'll be wrong on that. And, but and I think the, the risk is worth the potential reward for a guy like Paul Rabel in the locker room. And, you know, and we, we talk, I talked to Rick Beardsley a little bit on his podcast, Takeaways, which if you guys haven't checked out, definitely check that out. Um, hosted by Rick Beardsley. Great podcast. He had Andy Towers on as his first guest. But, um, you know, Rabel wants to win. And I think the the perception around the Atlas locker room was that it was a bad locker room. Um, and maybe you had some guys that, you know, caused some issues. But, you know, Rick Beardsley 
told me, he's like, our locker room was not bad. You don't lose games by one goals. If your locker room's bad, you know, you lose by a lot. That's what he said. And so I just think the whole perception around Rabel being bad for the locker room and, you know, washed out. I just, I'm not buying it is what I'm saying. So we'll see, you know, be determined on his play on the field this summer, but um, again, I'm I'm not buying it. Uh, Let's go on to Ryan Brown though. We mentioned him a little bit. Um, We'll start with you, Brian. What about Ryan Brown? You know, obviously as an Atlas fan, it's disappointing that you lose him, but how do you think he's really going to affect this water dogs offense? I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's a no brainer for coach Copeland to add someone of his caliber, especially leaving uh, Ryan Drenner unprotected, but um, how do you think he's going to fit into this Water Dogs offense? I mean, you know, Ryan Brown's a classic shooter. And I think that's kind of the role that Drenner formed for himself in the first year of the PLL. And I think Copeland was hoping he would fill that role in the Water Dogs when he picked him up in the expansion mm-hmm. draft last year. So I have the expectation that Ryan Brown's going to kind of fill that role in place of Drenner. I feel like that's an improvement there mm-hmm. as a finisher. Because he's, he's a shooter, not necessarily a dodger. And I think that they could work to vamp their offense to get him some a lot of off-ball opportunities. Mm-hmm. But the move really confused me from the Atlas' perspective. Because once they traded Pinnell, I was like, okay, maybe they're simplifying their offense with the, you know, the other three core guys, Cloutier, Brown, and Law. And they're going to figure out a way, you know, there's not really an initiator in that group. Sure, you could argue um, but there, there are ways to configure the offense now that you're not running Brown out of the box, which mm-hmm. limits you um, with respect to quick transition, like mm-hmm. defensive quick transition. So I guess maybe Rubio is trying to create a more cohesive unit and he didn't see Brown fitting in there, but that's a guy that I would have tried to fit into my offense somehow. So I think, I think it's a great pickup for the Water Dogs. I think they'll be able to put great use to him, especially if they have initiators elsewhere on the field. And um, I'm really interested to see how the Atlas fill that large of a shooting void. Yeah, no, I, and I'm I'm wondering what their plan is because, you know, in, in my opinion, I guess he would have worked perfectly if you drafted Michael Sowers. You know, you have him on the righty and then Kluchi on the lefty side. Um, maybe I guess they're going to have Law on the right or around the crease. And if they draft Sowers and maybe, you know, you see a Dan Baccaro who's a little bit more versatile can come out of the box or play attack get uh, drafted in this entry draft or even a Randy Stotts. That's kind of where I'm uh, leaning. Um, again, I, I don't know what coach Rubio is thinking. Um, you know, he definitely has more questions than answers though, by trading Ryan Brown, in my opinion, um, that's not Agreed. always a bad thing. You know, he, he now has a little bit more options, but uh, yeah, I, I left me scratching my head a little bit too. Um, I think it's a no brainer for coach Copeland to add that. And again, I don't want to act like we knock Ryan Drenner, but you know, Ryan Brown is clearly, an upgrade from Ryan Drenner. And I think, you know, we both expected Ryan Drenner to be left off the protected list, not really necessarily because we don't think he's that good, but because he didn't play in that last game and the offense was clearly not clicking last year. So it was kind of the writing was on the wall more than anything, you know, more than us knocking Ryan Drenner. I think he's probably a no brainer to pick up in, in with the cannons, but we will get to that after our break when we talk our protected rosters and our thoughts on where the cannons go in this expansion draft. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. 
As an Army reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Duke Cannon. Use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back. Now we're going to go into our protected rosters. We're kind of going to do what we did last week and uh, you know go team by team. We'll talk about our biggest surprises and then who Coach Court could target in this expansion draft and you know who maybe ends up back on their old team. Um, so we'll start off with the Archers. Uh, not too many surprises here. Uh, you know, I, I don't think any of us really thought they would protect Stephen Kelly, but we weren't really too surprised that he ended up back on this roster. You know, faceoff guys are hard to come by, and clearly they value Stephen Kelly at the faceoff X. They could still upgrade maybe potentially in this entry draft if they choose to see so, um, which I think they should. Um, I think it'd be nice to have somebody to pair with Stephen Kelly, um, but I think there's options there, so I don't think they really pigeonhole themselves. But the biggest one for me was Adam Gittleman. I know I'm not going to lie, Adam, when you left him off your list, I was like, "Ah, that's a head scratcher for me. I don't think that's going to happen. You proved me wrong. Uh, But thoughts on Adam Gittleman getting unprotected and his social media post that said he doesn't want to play in any other colors. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Do you think he gets picked up by the cannons or you think, you know, coach court kind of stays away, probably has a few goalies in mind anyway. um, And he ends up back on the archers despite being unprotected for the second year in a row. Yeah, no, I think uh, this was a strategic move by Coach Bates. I, I, I don't necessarily see him getting picked up in the expansion draft just with the amount of goalies coming in and him saying, as you said, on social media that he doesn't want to play for another team. Now, if I was Coach Quirk, it's not, it wouldn't be the first time a guy gets drafted and then traded back uh, to the team that left him unprotected for, for your future pick or uh, some other conditional pick. So um, that's just something that uh, I was thinking that might be a benefit to, to Coach Cork to, to add some assets without even having uh, to do anything, especially if, like you said before, there are tons of goalies coming in uh, from the MLL. Um, so just something interesting that I thought um, from a strategic standpoint for Coach Bates um, definitely was a move where I think he probably thinks Gittleman will be back. Adam wants to be back on the squad. So, um, but wouldn't be the worst move uh, to tr- draft and trade. I would love that move. It would really add some more credibility to these coaches and the decisions they're making too. I, I would just love to see him take a Gittleman and trade him right back to the archers or whatever, get some draft capital out of it. Um, especially if, you know, he kind of has a guy in mind that he wants to go in with Morocco, which again, I, you know, this is me assuming but i'd be hard pressed to to think that sean cork doesn't want nick morocco as a starting goalie unless he can get maybe a dylan ward which could happen you know that trade could still happen um and uh and you know i I think a guy that was left off this archers roster that we kind of all fully expected um that will probably get picked up by the kansas joey sankey on the offensive end um i don't think you just i I think he's a guy that you got to you pick up um even if you plan to maybe run him out of the box kind of like the archers did um you know they uh clearly have a lot of offensive firepower we didn't mention the Connor Fields trade that was actually occurred right after our last podcast so that was some big news I think we're all pretty big fans of the trade and the change of scenery for Connor Fields chaos probably could have gotten a little bit more back than uh, Ian McKay Ian McKay is going to fit in perfectly for this chaos offense but um I did think that that trade in particular coach Andy Towers could have probably gotten a little bit more especially moving up maybe potentially in this entry draft um, but Brian, did you have any thoughts on who coach Quirk might target from this archers team? Anyone that we mentioned, or do you think, uh, you know, it's going to be probably Sankey and, and maybe a, a few uh, other guys on the defensive end. I, I actually 
was looking at the defensive end. I was a little bit more surprised by the Archer's unprotected list than other people because I don't think they needed to necessarily like nuke their defense and they left all but like, like two or three poles unprotected. Like they don't even have a full starting defensive roster on their mm-hmm. protected list. But also leaving Fowler off, like the intentions for the uh, entry draft is not, it was my opinion about what they were going to go for in the entry draft has not changed because of this unprotected list. And I was hoping it would give me some clarity. Um, but with so much defensive capital left off the protected uh, list for the archers, I think, you know, pending status, maybe uh, Quirk goes for Jackson Place or one of the other, you know, quality polls to start building a defensive unit that's strong. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Michael Simon is probably going to be um, picked up as well. You know, they have Scott Ratliff, so they're pretty set still at LSM. But I, I think his thought process was, hey, if I leave all these third poles, potential third poles unprotected, I'm going to get at least a couple of them back. So I think he must be comfortable, you know, maybe if Jackson Place gets picked up. I think Jackson Place, if healthy, is the best uh, person, you know, for that third spot. But again, we don't know his health situation. But I think he's thinking, you know, I'll at least get Corley back, Ray Pine, um, place or even a uh, evan connell you know one of those four is definitely coming back and i'd be surprised if you know less than two come back so i think that's probably why he took that gamble uh he's confident in any of those guys um and was willing to roll the dice as opposed to his offensive guys would have you know certainly been picked up and you could probably say the same about some of his midfielders particularly the short stick defensive middies agreed now Moving on to the Atlas, we kind of touched on the Atlas a little bit. I mean, our biggest surprises were Paul Rabel being traded before protected rosters and Ryan Brown being traded after, um, you know, which again is completely should have been on our radar, I guess, because the trade window stays open till the end of April. Um, so essentially too, again, just some clarity, like on these trades, you know, they can trade anybody on their protected rosters because that's essentially the only players on their rosters. Unprotected players are now kind of in limbo until the expansion draft is over. But, you know, we could see some more trades. Dylan Ward could still get traded by the chaos prior to, you know, the expansion draft night. Maybe Coach Quirk is working on that as we speak. Who knows? Uh, maybe he's like, I'm, I'm good. Again, I'm going to try it for Morocco in the entry draft. That, that's the exciting thing about this. We don't know what's going on. Dylan Ward could also go to another team, completely different. So who knows? Um, but I think really for us, there was not many too su- big surprises. But who are some guys do you think that uh, Coach Quirk targets from this Atlas team? Yeah, I mean, the, the first name on my list is Connor Busick, right? Uh, that was a, a big surprise for me. We'll see um, if that was because of kind of coaching circumstances, right? Being the head coach at Cornell now, but he's definitely a guy uh, right off the top of my list that um, I, I was definitely surprised that that wasn't projected. It makes sense, though, when you look at the, the trades he's made going forward to potentially um, kind of change the schemes of the squad, but Busick was the name for me. Uh, I agree. And to add to that, I think Understein's probably the only other one. Their unprotected list is so short, but if uh, Quirk wants, you know, a guy who's, you know, we saw in 2020 defensively versatile, you could, you could give him a pole in a pinch uh, might add some value to the, to the defensive unit of the cannons maybe. Yeah, no. And I think another potential too, that people are maybe overlooking. I don't know if he maybe gets picked up by the cannons, but could maybe have a role in this Atlas if he returns as Aiden Hines. We didn't see him in 2020. You know, I think of most of the draft picks we didn't see 
in 2020. He's one that kind of sticks out to me as maybe a dark horse. Um, I know we are all kind of, you know, in agreement with that. Again, I don't think coach Quirk uses a spot on him. Um, but you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, I think should be on people's radars compared to maybe some of the other players that were drafted last year that didn't see time. Moving on to the chaos. This one, uh, we, we had some surprises. Some of them we saw coming, uh, miles Thompson in particular, Deemer class, even though I thought he would be protected, wasn't too much of a shocker. Tommy Kelly, um, even though who we thought was also going to be left unprotected, uh, you know, is probably a prime pickup for Coach Quirk, if you ask me, in, in my opinion, um, you know, between him and probably Drew Simino. But uh, anybody, you know, anybody that stand out to you in particular from this, I know there was a few others I haven't mentioned yet, um, but who are some guys that you think are left scratching your head, I guess, that weren't on this chaos protected roster? Uh, for me, Troy Ray, I didn't think he particularly underperformed at all. And I thought he was a, a pretty good part of the defensive unit this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, the chaos defensive unit wasn't the most stellar, but he, he definitely wasn't the weak point in that defense, in my opinion. So I was surprised to see him left off. And I'm interested if he, if Troy gets picked up, what they do to kind of fill that spot. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause, uh, you know, I, I think Pat Resch is very underrated and they chose to protect him. So, you know, I think they value him clearly more than probably the general public does. But Eric Scott's a guy that this isn't a knock on Eric Scott that I, I think you could have left unprotected and probably would have came back to you. So Coach Towers was the one that I really thought just went with the guys that he wanted. Um, and, I, you know, maybe he expects Troy Ray to get through expansion, but, you know, I think Troy Ray getting drafted in the expansion draft is much more likely than say an Eric Scott. Um, And I'm sure coach towers would love to have both those guys on his roster. So at the end of the day, that one kind of, again, left my head, um, you know, me scratching my head on, on a little bit too. Um, You know, if I'm coach Cork, I'm picking up Troy Ray, Uh, you know, maybe him and Michael Simon are the two LSMs that I go with in this draft, but yeah, I I was surprised too. Um, But then again, it goes back to some of these rosters, are kind of hard, like the Atlas, you, you're probably only going to see one or two guys drafted of the maximum three. Chaos, you know, they could go a bunch of different ways with this. Miles Thompson's probably a shoe-in. Tommy Kelly is another one that I think is probably pretty, cl- you know, definite. Um, you know, it, it's still a toss-up. But, you know, and then maybe they, they get Deemer class uh, as well, which, you know, then Troy Ray goes back to the chaos. So um, there's quite a few people that are available uh, still, I mean, even a Tyson Bell um, is someone that there's there's a few people that are available in expansion that you're going to see at least one of them come back. So that's the other interesting thing about the three player maximum, especially with the chaos. Yeah, of the the teams, the three squads we we talked about um, just so far, you know, there's a, the, so far they're the one with the most variability of of who gets picked up. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Moving on to the Chrome. Definitely, I think a surprise for everybody was Rigney needing to be protected. Um, now, it makes sense because all the other draft picks last year needed to be protected, whether they, whether they played or not. Um, so that's not really that big of a surprise. It's just like a Michael Krause situation. I think we were more surprised because we thought he would be military exempt. But uh, this isn't like that out of the realm of possibility because in the past we've seen um a grace and terrain actually get unprotected despite being in the military and that's just clearly because he um wasn't able to make it work with his uh military commitments so it's not weird to see a military guy 
not being on the military protected list, but that one definitely think caught us all off guard. Um, you know, and it's kind of a tough spot for Sudan who could have used that spot on somebody else. So um, I think it's fair across the board that he had to protect him, but something that, you know, is obviously tougher Chrome fans. Um, some big surprises here. I think I, it goes without saying with Mac Audette being left off. Uh, what do you guys think coach Cork does? Does he target Mac Audette to be an off ball finisher? If he ends up, you know, with Lyle Thompson on his team, or do you think Mac Audette could end up back on the Chrome? Yeah. I mean, he had a great first season last year. I know that the, the, the hype was all in game after game one and, and everything, but he, he had a really good uh, rookie year in professional lacrosse and um, looking at kind of the, the landscape of the unprotected rosters, I think he'd be a great fit uh, to squat, start a squad and be one of those off-ball finishers, as you said. And Brian, talk to me a little bit about the defensive side. There's quite a few polls uh, left off this protected list. Who, who are the polls that stood out to you that you think uh, Coach Cork targets? Uh, Reese Eddie's at the top of that list because everyone talked about Reese Eddie this year as being like a surprise standout on the defensive side of the ball. And, and to leave him off of that list was very surprising to me. But the last time we talked um, about who would be protected, I did bring up that the Chrome might leave a lot of defensive players off that protected list in attempt in an attempt to maybe like do a mini rebuild because they were either like tied or right below Atlas for like the worst defense in the league. So I expected a little bit of a rebuild, but I didn't expect Risa Eddie to be left off of that list of people that would definitely be coming back. No, I, I agree. I thought he would be, you know, protected over maybe the Eli Salama, but maybe Coach Sudan thinks Salama's a little bit more versatile because he, you know, plays in the NLL with a shorty. So you can run him at short stick defensive mini if needed or keep him at, you know, LSM. But yeah, I think Reesetti is a no brainer for coach Quirk. Like he's at the top of my list. I think if I'm coach Quirk to, to pick up in this expansion draft. So that, that definitely was a bit of a head scratcher for me. And then Jake Pulver is another guy on the defensive end too, that um, I think it's a no brainer young defenseman. I, I mean, that, that's the tough thing is, you know, Sudan's going to protect his guys like a Joel white, Mike Manley, those guys can still protect, you know, perform at a high level, but uh, Jake Pulver is an, you know, top defensive guy that is now available for coach Quirk. Um, if I'm building a defense, he's one of the first people that come to mind uh, in this expansion draft that I'm picking. Moving on to the Redwoods. Redwoods uh, really, again, pretty straightforward, except for one in particular, in my opinion. Um, and that one to me is Brent Adams. Uh, again, super shocked that he was not protected. Uh, what are we doing here? Again, I, I get the air gate attempt in overtime versus the whips was a colossal misstep on his part. I mean, if he would have hit it, it would have been the other way around, but um, I, I cannot believe that he was left unprotected. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Brent Adams? And, you know, is he already a cannon in your mind? He was before he might as well be again. <laughs> very true. Very true. I, I, I'm very shocked that they chose to protect him, uh, protect Kyle Harrison over him again, Coaches value players different than we do. It, it's certain. Um, Kyle Harrison's great locker room presence can still play too, but I think you have a much better chance of getting Kyle Harrison back past expansion than a Brent Adams. So that one, that one shocked me. You know, if I'm coach Cork, he's probably the number one pick for me, Brent Adams. Uh, you're building a midfield around him. You got him and Paul Rabel. Um, that, that definitely left me scratching my head. Uh, what, you know, I think the Redwoods will also lose two more players in addition to him who those are that's a little bit more of a toss-up so who are some guys that you think could 
you know, maybe find their way on the cannons. I mean, is it Nick Asello uh, or is it somebody more like, you know, um, Joe Walters, Clark Peterson, or one of these face-off guys? I forgot to mention Jack Kelly too. If he's healthy, yeah. I know that's, that's my, that's my pick a lot of time, but uh, if, if he's healthy and they need a, a strong backup if, or a starter potentially, uh, he's a guy I look at. I like you mentioned uh, Clark Peterson and Tyler Dunn already. I think those are two guys uh, in particular done, that would be great additions uh, to a, a new squad. So th- those are the two guys I immediately came to after uh, Brent Adams. Yeah, me as well. Um, I think I think the Cannons don't end up going after either of the faceoff guys from the Redwoods. And I think uh, the Redwoods leaving both of the faceoff guys off of the protected list has some in- interesting draft implications. Mm-hmm. Also with how much the Redwoods have restricted themselves in the entry draft by trading away their number three pick. So it's clear that they're they they either have faith in their faceoff guys and think that they won't go, or they're provide or they're showing intention of trying to get a new faceoff guy. So that this either means that they're going to have to wait in the entry draft or kind of put all their eggs in one basket for the college draft and hope they get what they want. So I think yeah. uh, those 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 surprise me the most. But I think if I'm the uh, circling back, if I if I'm the cannons, I think Brent Adams is probably one of the only people I'm targeting on this roster. Maybe Jack Kelly. Uh, for the reasons that Adam said, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm targeting probably Brent Adams and, and Joe Walters. Um, you know, I think he can still play, and I don't think he's been utilized to the uh, his full potential. He's getting up there in age, but, you know, he's another great locker room guy that I would like to have, and maybe a year younger with Clark Peterson. Um, or, or maybe they even target a Larkin Kemp um, at the LSM position, you know, uh, or, you know, Hugh Krantz who can play LSM or defense. It, it'll be interesting. Um, definitely, I think we'll find – uh, that Nick Osell will end up back on the Redwoods. So good on him. Uh, you didn't even need to protect him. <laughs> but uh, Jack Kelly, you mentioned Adam, is again an- another one that is just – there's a lot of questions around there. Um, you know, if he is fully healthy, you know, you're, you're taking him. But we just don't know, unfortunately, he, if he is. He hasn't played in, since 2018, the, the, those world championships. And uh, you just don't know what the situation is. And I think since we're on the, the case of not sure what the situation is, I guess kind of let's, let's go on to the water dogs, right, and talk about some of those potential guys. Well, a big question around the water dogs is Ben Reeves, who was left unprotected. Um, I lean towards thinking that they would not protect him. Adam, you thought they, they might because of just his caliber. Um, they did not protect him. Uh, a few other guys that were left off that were kind of big names were Ryan Drenner. Uh, they left off Charlie Cipriano, who was their, you know, pick in the expansion draft last year. Uh, Brody Merrill, another big one that, you know, would be a prime spot on the cannons where he, you know, played some of his career already. And then I think Drew Simino at the faceoff, who did really, really well. Clearly Jake Withers is the guy they want to protect, but I think they would be really happy if they got Drew Simino back. I don't know if that happens though, because he played so well last year. So he might, you know, be on his third team in three years, not of any fault of his own, but that just because, you know, he's played at such a high level, despite not being the top guy. Yeah. I said last time talking about the water dogs that like, I had no idea what their intentions were or how they would best go about this protected list such that they could improve their team. Um, but if I'm the cannons, I'm, I'm picking up Merrill mm-hmm. uh, going into last season. I didn't, I, I wasn't, particularly excited about the water dogs defense and then they had the third best defense in the league so i and i think brody merrill had a had a large part in that because he's been around forever he can still play so one of the best ground ball guys in the league 
and he proves it every game. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly a vocal leader. And um, we've touched, we, you've touched on that, Hutton, previously when talking about the extra draft capital for Paul Rabel. Getting the extra benefit of the leader in the locker room is a big deal. And that's even more of a big deal on, on the field on defense. Like we see the value of like Eddie Glazner being a vocal leader on the Redwoods. He doesn't show it on the stat sheet, but he's, he's mic'd up every week. So we can see what a vocal defenseman sounds like and how that value, how much value that uh, gives to a defense. Mm-hmm. And I think Brody's a no brainer to take for the cannons to get a, a, another veteran leader in that locker room for probably what's going to end up being like a, a, a wide age gap on that team. So they're, they're going to want a lot of leadership, especially on the field in a guy like Brody Merrill. Yeah. And another guy, you know, we haven't mentioned yet who wasn't on uh, the water dogs last year, but actually the Connecticut hammerheads is Michael Krause. Um, they still had to potentially protect him if they wanted to keep him on the roster. And he's certainly a guy um, that has a lot of skill. Didn't have the best summer last year with the uh, hammerheads, but um, was a phenomenal player top pick for them last year um, before heading to the MLL. And I think he'd be a great addition uh, to that Boston cannon squad. Yeah. And you know, he could be an off ball finisher. He can be a Dodger. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, Again, not the best showing last summer, but um, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Quirk maybe targets him in this expansion draft. Um, And on the flip side of the UVA uh, team, Ryan Conrad uh, is a guy that the water dogs decide to protect, which makes me believe that he is going to play this summer, which I'm really excited about. He only played a handful of games in 2019 and not at all in 2020, probably due to job commitments, but um, I'm really excited to see him, you know, running up and down the field, you know, as a two-way midi. Um, so that was a shocker for me because I wasn't expecting Ryan Conrad to maybe play again this summer. I just wasn't sure, but, uh, I think it was a no brainer if, if you know, he's going to, you know, suit up this summer. I, I think he was a, a good pick for the water dogs to, to protect. Now moving on to the whip snakes, probably the most boring of the bunch because they protected the guys, pretty much everyone expected. Is there going to be anything different from the whip snakes in 2021 and are they going to lose anybody but maybe one person to the cannons yeah as as hutton we put in our article short and sweet i don't think much is changing and i don't think too many guys are going to be picked up they're going to come back full force next season yeah this one's boring we definitely should have done this one first and not last <laughs> absolutely I, I, short, I think tuttle's the only the only target short and sweet i, I think tuttle's the only one too now again really out of left field, potentially maybe a Jacob Stover as a backup. I, I don't think it happens. Again, this is just me grasping for straws here. Um, the whip snakes are going to be back and as good as ever next year. Um, you know, they could potentially get Max Tuttle back too. I, I think Tuttle will probably get picked up by the cans just because of his versatility um, at the midfield. He'd be a great pickup. But other than that, they're going to be pretty much set going into these entry and college drafts and ultimately the 2021 season. So that, that is our thoughts on the protected rosters. Again, um, you know, not too many surprises, honestly. Uh, we kind of saw a lot of these moves being made. There were some, certainly that shocked us. Brent Adams, again, is one in particular that really blew me away. But ultimately, not as shocking, I think, as last year. It'll be interesting what Coach Cork does in this expansion draft. That is much more up for debate, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, we appreciate um, you guys listening to this episode. As I already mentioned, Takeaways with Rick Beardsley is a podcast that we just launched. Um, it will come out every other Tuesday uh, that is hosted by the one and only Rick Beardsley, Atlas assistant and Syracuse legend. We also have the fantasy lacrosse podcast hosted by Dan Newbert that will be returning to coincide with flow fantasies, college lacrosse daily fantasy platform. Um, so we're really excited about that. Be able to continue to 
to play fantasy and talk about fantasy. We'll be competing weekly with the likes of the crease dive and the post game podcast. So we can finally put to rest. Who's the better podcast. Cause you know, it's all based on how well you do in fantasy. Um, but a lot of great stuff we have in the works. We also will be joined by a player next week who was recently traded. So I'll let you guys speculate who that player will be, but that's going to really do it for us today. Uh, please take the time to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. And make sure you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.